Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, today, Heidi, we have a great guest and a great topic, and we're always pleased that she is one of our Open to Hope authors, and we hope you'll go to our Open to Hope site, where we have thousands of articles to help you, and they're all tagged for content, and you can get a lot of support and healing from some wonderful people. So do you want to introduce our guest and topic today, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. Today we are going to talk about good grief, what I learned from loss, and our guest today is Elaine Mansfield, who leads workshops and bereavement support groups and writes for Hospice Care and Palliative Care of Tompkins County in Ithaca, New York. Her writing reflects her 40 years as a student of Jungian psychology, mythology, meditation, and nature. Since her husband's death in 2008, her work is focused on a search for love, meaning, and healing in times of grief. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on the show, Elaine. And we were talking before the show that Heidi was born in Thompson County. I know you're in the Ithaca area, and it brings back some good memories for us. Talk a little bit about your husband's death. And, you know, you were involved in kind of helping people before he died, right? And he was always interested in Jungian, and he was an astrophysicist, but he was interested in uh, Jung's work and in mythology and all that kind of thing. You must have had a rich relationship with him. We did. We met when I was 21. I just turned 21, and he was 25 when we met. And we were both students. He was a graduate student, and I was an undergraduate. And we sort of grew up together. We were very involved with the anti-Vietnam War political thing that was happening at that time at Cornell. But then uh, we slowly got more involved in Eastern traditions and meditation. So by 1970, we were both meditating and studying philosophy with a teacher who was in Ithaca. We were also studying psychology then. We had a strong background and we kind of grew together and created ourselves as adults together. very fortunate in that way. Uh-huh. And so you went back to Cornell then and, and got your degree and got very interested in this. Yeah. I, w- I was an undergraduate, and then I was going to go to Berkeley to graduate school in Chinese government, but I came back because I was too in love, and I'm so glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't go to graduate school then. I came back, and we got married, and had children fairly soon. So Now, I'm thinking when I was talking to you and looking at your information that you had a father die when you were young. Uh, you were about eight or something. And I'm just thinking you could go pretty deep with everything you studied when you've had that kind of experience. I, I find that people who have had an early loss can sometimes go very deep with this. Is that your thought? My first memories, and I talk about this in my TEDx talk. I also talk about it in my book, uh, Leaning into Love. My way of wanting to deal with my husband's illness and death was very uh, related to how my mother dealt with my father's death. My dad got sick when I was two when he got home from the war, and he died when I was 14. So I lived in a home with someone who was always dying and always having crises, and I knew this was going on. And on the other hand, my mom wanted to keep it private and secret. Partly she wanted to protect the kids, but of course we weren't protected. We were just frightened because we didn't know what was going on. So, and then after my dad died, my mom didn't want to talk about it because she said it upset her and she wanted to go to work. 
So I really was left in an isolated position after my dad died. And when Vic got sick, I said, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he agreed with me. And we brought our two sons and all our friends right into the experience with us and made it a real open community experience. Because, well, Elaine, you know, Elaine it, that's what I like. That's what I like that you talk about in your TEDx. Because you said at one point, you find out that your, your husband's being diagnosed. And I think you're sitting in a parking lot. And you're talking about, well, should we keep this a secret? And you said, wait a minute. When I was growing up, I was so isolated. We never talked about my father. I can't do this alone. We need to do it in community. And I love that you did not repeat history. You made a conscious effort to change and to put it out there that your husband was sick so that you could get support. Right, and he agreed immediately. And I said, I think it's a very common thing, don't you? That when you're sick and you feel that vulnerability, you kind of pull in. The first reaction is kind of a defensive reaction. But right then I said, no, Vic, I don't want to do it like that. And he agreed with me right away. Um, he understood the wisdom. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's so generous. I mean, my husband has prostate cancer. And he talks about it. And, you know, I consider it, as his spouse, very generous that he would do that, that he's not trying to say to me, now, don't tell anybody. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate that. It was good. And we stayed open with each other and our family and our community throughout his illness. And I stayed open afterward. And I I didn't try to hide my sorrow. I felt when I tried to hard to hide my sorrow, I just felt isolated. So I don't want to be isolated. I was open. Yes, I'm I'm really sad and I'm also okay. <laughs> I'm also going to be okay. I was interested and I was saying to Heidi in the TED Talk where you talked about bathing his body and taking care of him getting ready after he died. And that's something that's happening more now today. There are groups that are doing that home kind of thing. But one of the things I thought that was interesting in your TED Talk is you actually showed him in the coffin. And then after you had him cremated. Now, I'm fascinated with that because, you know, it always feels like either or to me. A lot of people want to avoid seeing the body. And there you are. You are showing his body on a TED Talk, which I think is awesome because we've always seen bodies. And the idea that we're not seeing bodies anymore, I find very strange. I don't know. What's your thought on that, Heidi, before Elaine comments on it? I love the idea that you can do both because you always hear people say you have to make a decision. You either can see the body or you have to have a cremation. And the fact that you did both is very comforting to me. The funeral people didn't embalm his body or do anything to his body. The photographs in the TED Talk were taken when we decorated his cremation box and it was about 24 hours after his death and nothing had been done to his body. It was just right. the way bodies are. And they held his body for three and a half days because you get in the queue for the cremation plate. They told me if you would like to put something in his cremation box, which I, which I had never thought about because I was oh, yeah, I want to do that. So we we just went there. They said, they said do it soon because the body will start to change, but it, it, it hadn't yet. That's really kind of amazing that that's an option. And we put a lot of things in the coffin, right, Heidi, of Scott's? Oh, absolutely. We used his books for pillows. <laughs> <laughs> we said he might need his ideas, but it was all symbolic, you know. It was right. not that exactly. I thought he'd really use his ideas, but it was uh, we created a symbolic ritual uh, of in the cremation box. It was very healing for my sons and me to do that. Yeah, talk about ritual now. I know that you talk on your TED Talk about how ritual is important and how we do rituals all the time, which I think is interesting. They're a natural part, right? Well, 
what I see happening uh, in people uh, that I work with in Dreamin' is that there's a funeral a few days after a person dies, and then and then that's it. And and maybe in some traditions there's a there's a there's a little bit of ritual after that, but or maybe there's some gathering a year later. Uh, there are a couple of other things that happen, but most of the time we're kind of left on our own after that initial memorial service. And I, I think we naturally create ritual and human beings always have. And my sense is to be aware of that and, and actually do that often because if you feel that you can't handle grief, do it, just lighting a candle changes the energy a lot. Uh, and you can do that Every day, you can do it as much as you want, five times a day if you need to. What do you think when you see people? What do you think is kind of a flag that they need to get some help? Or what stops people from grieving and, and moving on in the process? In the organization I work in, which is foster care and, and palliative care services, anybody who comes to my group, either I've talked to them or they've been screened by one of the bereavement counselors there. So that if someone really needs a lot of personal attention, then they can see a counselor one-on-one and then come to a group later. Right. You know, I want to talk to you because, as I told you earlier, my sister-in-law is older and her husband died a couple of years ago, and she has a hearing problem. And I know that you said that you've had a hearing problem, too. But since her husband died, she's lost the person who kind of interpreted her for her. You know, she really needs to start using technology and all that to help her. She's lost an interpreter. And I think sometimes we lose things that we don't even realize we're losing, particularly if we've been with a spouse for a long time. I agree. Me and my, you know, me and my computer. (laughs) My husband was a computer whiz from the 1960s, you know. So uh, I want to bring in my book a little bit because the first half of my book is about losing my husband. The second half is about gaining my own life, you know, finding my own life. And I talk in there about about my hearing loss, and my hearing was already difficult at that time, and made many social things difficult. And so there you are in a situation where you want new social contacts and you want to try new things, but it's but hearing loss makes it hard to go to movies, hard to go to restaurants, hard to hard to talk to people at parties. And so it it can be very isolating for people. And it was for me. It has been for me. And and so you were talking about a group that you went to. I loved what you did. A group that you ran. You had trouble hearing an older gentleman, and you had somebody sit next to you and tell you what he was saying. I like that you just didn't pass it off and that you took action. Well, it's very easy when you have hearing loss, just like it's very easy when you have grief to say, I'm all right, and just pass over it. And I... I didn't didn't want to do that in either case because I felt that that would make me isolated. So, so uh, what? So what I did with this elderly gentleman is that his voice was so weak and raspy, and he moved his lips so little because I also read lips that I couldn't I couldn't hear him at all. So I asked someone who was there. I said, "Translate for me," because this man was saying that his wife of sixty six years had died and how important it was for him to be able to take care of her. And I knew I was missing too much of what he was saying. So I had this woman just say what he said to me, right to my face, louder, and in a stronger voice. And then I said to him, 
you've done something so important. And and Stephen Levine, who this man didn't know, but I know you do. Yeah. But Stephen Levine, who writes wonderful things about death and dying, says that if you really love someone, you want to be the one who takes care of them while they're dying. It's the greatest gift you can give someone you love to help them across. And I told this old man that. And he just looked up at me and he just beamed and big tears came into his eyes. And he was so happy and he knew, but he already knew inside that he'd given the greatest gift. But to have it verified like that, and if I hadn't said, I'm really deaf and gotten the full translation, I wouldn't have been able to to give him that important information. Ah, that's so great. Well, talk about groups. I mean, getting together in groups for people who've lost a spouse. Well, I found groups really helpful for me. Not immediately, though. It took me a few years to want to be in a group setting. But then I, I went to a, a, a group for the loss of spouses <clears throat> at hospice, and that was wonderful for me. And then... Uh, I, the, the people at hospice knew that I'd run a lot of women's health groups for many, many years. So they asked me if I would lead a group, and I, they said you could do, you know, what you'd like. And I said, uh, you know, including something like a book group. I said I want to lead a group for people who've lost partners or spouses because that's what I know, and I feel like I have the most offer there. So I've been doing that for quite a few years now, but I almost always love it. Uh, you know, it, sometimes not, but most of the time they're very, very gratifying and really helpful for the people who bond with one another and people who uh, didn't know one another before, you know, become support people for each other. And that's what I love to have happen. That's great. Now, tell us the first part of your book is about the loss of your husband. And then in the last half, do you have tips and advice for us? Well, it's memoir, so I write about my own experience, and I guess the tips and advice are lodged in that. Mm -hmm. For me, it was very important to be in nature a lot, as much as I could. Just whenever I felt, uh, as I said in the TEDx talk, when I couldn't take my heartache one more minute, I I took my grief for a walk in nature. Mm -hmm. And I felt my dog and I were outside a lot. She was a happy girl that that summer and fall. Um, and, and I also found, um, I found that poetry helped me a lot, and I found that these small rituals were very helpful to me. Uh, nature was very helpful to me. Poetry and writing. I started writing almost immediately, um, and I wrote throughout his illness. I got myself a brand new notebook, and it, I ended up with a lot of notebooks because I knew this was going to be a hard journey. And I didn't want to forget any of it. I didn't, and I knew it was going to be emotional, and I would forget. So I wrote and wrote, um, and that became uh, eventually became a book. So mm-hmm. I was just going to say, and a great book, and it's just published this year, and it's called "Leaning Into Love," which I really like that name, "A Spiritual Journey Through Grief." And can we get that on Amazon? Yes, it's available on Amazon. If you go to my website, which is just my name, ElaineMansfield.com. Then uh, there are links there. Go to my website if you can, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, and 
many bookstores, people send me photographs from around the country of the book in various stores. So I don't know exactly where it is, but I don't think it's that hard to get. Awesome. And your TED Talk is great. It's great to see. It's called Good Grief, What I Learned from Loss. And I love what you're doing. People should go and look in on your website again, ElaineMansfield.com. Go to her site also. Right. I write something at least every week. So... There's always something new there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elaine, for being on our show today and for your good spirit. You know, you're the kind of person that does bring hope to the world, and thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Heidi, I like those tips at the end, particularly for everyone who's listening that has had a loss. And, you know, poetry. And I I heard that she had a dog. If you like animals, I always say if you like animals, but don't run out and get a dog right away if you're not sure. Well, rich children riding and all that's great. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And thanks to everybody for listening to the show. And as Heidi and I always like to say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless. <laughs>